Welcome back to The Wrong Opinion, useless NBA trivia and garbage rankings. Of course, we are in season two, the best who never. This is the last of the team success sections. So as you can assume, this is the best players who never won the NBA Finals. Starting off, and as a reminder, this is only among players who have made the Finals. Uh, screwed that up last week. Whoops. Number 15, Nate Thurmond. He made the finals in 67 on that team post-Wilt Chamberlain. Now, the reason that they were okay parting with Wilt Chamberlain on top of him just wanting to be in Philadelphia again after the Warriors moved to San Francisco and the fact that he's a bit of a head case and stat patter, you know, whatever, they had Nate Thurman on their team, so they were kind of fine. Now, his field goal percentages are astoundingly low for a center, especially, I don't know, especially, but even for back in that day. Uh, incredible rebounder, 20 rebounds a game twice, including the 67th season when they went to the finals. He was second in MVP voting that year, which is insane that he was higher than Rick Barry, who averaged like 37 points a game. But that's just the way the league was back then. People were so center-focused. In 74, he made his last all-star team, 62 games played, second-team defense, eighth in MVP voting, and then the next year he's playing for Chicago. Traded for Clifford Ray in a first, who ended up being Joe Bryant, father of Kobe Bryant. Clifford Ray and Rick Barry and the Warriors won a title without Nate Thurmond. So, kind of a bummer. Joe Bryant, by the way, did not play on the title team, so no father-son duo there. Um, obviously, he, he's top 20 in rebounds. He, he wasn't a very good scorer, but 20 points a game, like six straight years. Most importantly, though, at least, you know, historically, first player ever with a quadruple double. Now, this happened when he was 32 years old, the first year that they started recording blocks and steals. 2.9 blocks per game, the first year they recorded at age 32. That's pretty cool. Uh, number 14, Adrian Dantley. There's some players who don't have success because they're, you know, at number two, so you don't really blame them. Nate Thurmond, I don't blame for his lack of success necessarily. Yeah, his percentages are hideous, and maybe if they were better, he'd have a better chance to win. Um, Adrian Dantley, I kind of blame for not ever having a title. It's just the, his style of play. He was uh, a ball hog, a ball stopper. Not a great teammate, which is why he played for three different teams in his first two years before landing in Utah. But those Utah years were incredible. He averaged 30 points a game four straight years. Now, the third of those didn't count because he only played 22 games. Uh, but two of them were league leading. You're just never going to see a guy like him again. He was six foot five, a post small forward. <laughs> who just had a big body that he could jam into people, shot so many free throws. He's still top 10 in total free throws. Let's see that exactly. No, oh, I lied. He's number 12 now. He got passed in the last couple years. Sorry, I'm not up to date on my uh, free throw rotating leaders. Now, his best chance to win the finals, those Utah teams were not winning the finals no matter what. Uh, once Carl Malone started coming to his own, they're like, yeah, you can leave, Dantley. Uh, he was on Detroit in 87, in 88, and the beginning of 89. 87, obviously, they lost in the conference finals. Isaiah's bad pass to the Celtics. Uh, 88, they lost in the NBA finals, beating the Celtics. 89, they beat the Los Angeles Lakers in the finals. Dantley wasn't on that team. He was traded midseason for Mark Aguirre, who was, like, a worse player, but a better fit because he wasn't a ball stopper. It just, you know, being a better player is irrelevant sometimes. Uh, being a better fit is, is almost always more important. But Dan Lee, all-time scorer, uh, kind of his fault he didn't win. Uh, Lenny Wilkins, number 13. He could have been a little bit lower. Uh, I like him here, though. Just your very prototypical point guard of that era. You know, 22 points a game at his peak. Uh, eight to nine assists per game. 
early in his career. He just weird stats across the board because point guards back in the sixties. It's like point guards back in the sixties. The assist numbers are low. They didn't score, but they were still integral to the team. It's so odd looking back on. And then in the seventies, it kind of came into their own. But the assist numbers were still really, really low outside of you know the ball dominant guys. Um, even so. He played on the Hawks three years after their title window. Not their title window, because he went to a couple finals in his first few years with the whole with the Hawks. Um, but after Pettit was past his prime, or nearing past his prime, then played with Seattle early in the 70s before their real peak. They weren't very good. Uh, he didn't make the playoffs at all with Seattle. And the Cavs, before they were really good, they had a couple good years there in the mid-70s. Portland, just a couple years before they won their title. He only made this the playoffs with the Hawks in his first several seasons. So he just had bad timing across the board. A little too late for the Hawks and too early for three teams. Not that the Cavs actually won the title, but they were better. Most importantly, though, he's the last guy to play or coach. Both the the Seattle Supersonics and then uh, with the Cavs as well. And then he was one of the all-time coaches. Great coach, all-time. Uh, so maybe that overrates him a little bit. His stats are a little underwhelming. I don't think he has any All-NBA teams. Uh, he was second in MVP voting in 68, but wasn't All-NBA. Make that make sense. Um, that being said, I would just rather have him on my, on my team than Danley or Thurmond. Dan, I think that's fair to say. Chris Mullen, number 12. Made the finals once in 2000 when he was 36 years old, averaging five points a game. <laughs> uh, now Nowadays, he probably would have been a little more used on that Pacers team, because he was just a fantastic three-point shooter. In fact, in 91, eight playoff games, 69% from three. Only 1.6 a game. Why is he not taking eight a game? But on those later years, he'd be jacking up still three, four, five a game, and um, just being a being a way different role. Imagine him, he'd be like the Shane Battier in 2014-13. Uh, uh, those Golden State Warrior teams from the early 90s, late 80s were iconic. They became less iconic when they broke up the run TMC. I'm just never a fan of breaking up fun teams if you're not going anywhere. Uh, and they kind of banked on Latrell Sprewell. That didn't work. Uh, but Chris Mullen, first team All-NBA one time. Uh, 25 points a game. What? One, two, three, four, five straight years. Uh, he was on the dream team. I think he's a secondary player. I think he was good enough to be, you know, the best player on a playoff team for several years in a row. Um, but if he's the best player on your team, you're probably not winning a title. So you say that 2000 team is probably his best chance. It was a sixth game series in the finals, but I just, you know, are they beating Kobe and Jack? Uh, I don't think so. Number 11, his teammate on those teams, Reggie Miller. Huge jump up here. We are in the first battle Hall of Famer territory. Um, I actually think Reggie, I think he was not a first battle Hall of Famer, which is insane. Uh, he was elected the year right after Chris Mullen. Not that that's interesting. Um, 1,389 games, played till he was 39 years old, and was pretty prolific even back then. 32 minutes a game at 39 years old, averaging 15 points, leading the league in free throw shooting. He was the first great, the first best shooter of all time. Now, if you look at just the basic stats, like he was All-NBA third team three times. That's it. Three All-Star teams. Uh, four All-Star teams. His career high was his third season, 1990, all-time season, 1990. Uh, 24.6 points per game. That was his best ever. Outside of that, above 22 just once. But the thing is, look at his three-point numbers. He, his career high in attempts was 6.6. Most of his career, across the board, 4.7. He led the league in three-point attempts only 
Oh, wow. He led the league in three-point attempts zero times in his career. In makes twice. Now, if this were modern basketball, he would have led the league in attempts 10 straight seasons, right? And he should have been. So it's kind of tough to grade him because you kind of got to do it on a curve because if he came in, you know, 15 years later, it's just a different story, right? Kind of like Mullen, he's not going to be the best player in a title team, but you can really, nowadays you could build, you could build a team around him pretty well. Um, he's like Clay Thompson with more of a clutch gene and way less defense. Not that Clay Thompson is a clutch. Reggie was integral in a lot of really cool fights from the 90s, so that's that's important. Um, his playoff stats, 144 playoff games, just a bunch of playoff games. Conference finals in 94, 95, 98, 99, and the finals, 2000. But he's not done. Conference finals in 04 and 05. Oh, I'm sorry, not the 05 conference finals. Uh, they lost to Detroit in the second round after the Malice in the Palace. But outside of that, let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six conference finals. Uh, enough said. Uh, number 10, Russell Westbrook. His stock is not an all-time low. It was an all-time low a couple years ago. I've talked about Westbrook before. It's just hard to criticize dudes who care. Uh, there's a lot of guys who put up meaningless stats and don't seem to care about winning. Westbrook is just delusional, and, you know, that's fine. Like, <laughs> what are you going to do? Uh, assist leader three times. He, he was just so convinced that having a triple-double somehow meant that his team had a better chance to win, and that's just not how it works, you know? This isn't fantasy basketball. His best chance to win the title, obviously he made it in 2012. Maybe they win that year. Um, 2014, he got hurt in a really good team. 2016, they were up 3-1 against the Warriors. Blew that. They probably could have gotten a title there. Really, his best chance to win a title would be to be a better teammate to Durant, to concede more, to let him be the best player on the team, which he was, but again, Westbrook was, was just delusional. Um, he might get a title now with the Clippers. They are playing really freaking well, and I was absolutely wrong about the James Harden trade. Um, and I would love to see it happen because I, I want him to to be a winner, you know, because I think he's a winning player, um, at least mentality-wise. Number nine, Tracy McGrady. This is the first one where it's like, this is absolutely not your fault. You didn't want a title. He's capable of being the best player in a title team, and I think he had the clutch gene. I, he, I think there are maybe three players in a generation you can say, like, just had terrible luck. I think Steve Nash is on that list. I mean, three's even probably high. Um, Tracy McGrady, just... Terrible, terrible luck. He played with Toronto his first three years, which, looking back, he probably should have stayed. He was a really good defensive player at that point. 1.9 blocks a game in his third season. It was it was looking like, you know, Scotty and Vince with him and, uh, Scotty and Vince, Scotty and Jordan with him and Vince. Um, but he wanted his own team, and that's, you know, that's fine. Uh, and on Orlando, it was going to be him and Grant Hill. Grant Hill got hurt, and he had nobody for years. Orlando was very, very mismanaged. With Houston, it was just a bad pairing with him and Yao. Like, you, I said this with on the Yao one a few days ago. Like, their idea was you want an inside-outside guy, but that's not how it works. You want a guy who can drive and shoot to be inside-outside in himself, and you want a big guy like Yao surrounded by just shooters who can't get inside because he's just clogging up the paint, the paint for T-Mac. Now, those teams were really put together really well analytically. But really, that proves just the flaw of analytics. That you can't trust them to a fault. You had to look at what you're seeing. Because T-Mac and Yao should not have been on the same team. And then he had injury bad luck, so it's just, it's just rough. By 26 years old, he was already breaking down. Um, but in his early 20s, just a dominant, dominant player. Two-time first team, two-time 
scoring leader. I don't think there's a best chance for him to win the finals. I guess you say 09, but he was at 16 points a game. At 29 years old, already just injured beyond repair. I think people might say his cousin Vince was better than him. And it's just not true, but Vince played literally a decade longer. I think he was Harden 1.0 and better than Harden, better defensively. His career didn't, wasn't better, so when you rank them all time, Harden goes higher, which you'll see in a second here. Um, but T-Mac was an all-timer that that is dearly missed. Um, the only reason he makes this list rather than, really, he wouldn't even make, did he win a playoff series in his career? Let's see. Okay, first round and out in 2000, 2001, 2002, 2003, uh, 2005, 2007, 2008. Uh, 2009, they won a series. He was injured. So he, he either lost series or he uh, didn't play because he was injured. 2013, though, he joins the Spurs, make it to the finals, lose in seven games. Uh, in the finals, uh, he did not score a single point in those playoffs, though. Uh, just sad. But, you know, dudes like playing basketball, so I'm not going to make fun of them for doing so for chasing that ring number eight patrick ewing drafting 85 right after bernard king uh bernard king just you know done before ewing really came into his own he was an all-star as a rookie rookie of the year 20 points a game nine boards team sucked whatever he's a rookie uh by 1990 he was officially an all-timer um he played four years <laughs> in college which it's not weird it makes sense especially back then but just a big guy who thrived so much on verticality and being a great defensive player. Like, he just lost, you know, at least three years. He he was ready to come in as a freshman. Um, so he never was really the defensive player that I think was expected. He's still, you know, four blocks a game in 1990, 2.4 for his career. But I don't think he was ever first-team all defense, obviously never defensive player of the year. Of course, he's playing against dudes like Hakeem. So, like, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, but I think really his, his highlight was his scoring. He was just such... And efficient, such a just a, such a well-rounded scorer from the center position. A lot of range. Didn't shoot threes, obviously, because nobody did back then. But kind of like Embiid, without the three-point range, took a lot of free throws. Not a very good rebounder. Um, obviously, I'm breaking down Patrick Ewing. You know who he is. Fantastic player, just not good in the clutch. Which is kind of why I mentioned Embiid too, because he took the torch from Ralph Sampson, from Elvin Hayes, from Wilt Chamberlain. And then eventually pass it on to KG for a little bit, uh, Chris Webber, and eventually Joel Embiid, uh, David Robinson at the same time. Just the big dudes who wilted under pressure. That's why they call it Wilt. Wilt Chamberlain. Who would rather shoot ugly fadeaways to lose a game than to go into the paint and fight for it. Every big game stat from Ewing just is not good. It's not pretty. He made the finals once when Jordan wasn't playing in 1994, averaging three points less a game in the playoffs than he did in the regular season and away 44% from the field. In the finals, or Hakeem proved that he is quite clearly the best center and probably the best player in the league. Again, Jordan was gone. It went to seven games because that team was really good. The team was pretty stacked. He averaged 19 points a game, 36% from the field. So Ewing, that was his best chance, but he if he's your best player, you're just not winning a title. He didn't have the mental disposition. That's fine. Not everybody does, and it really, it's a credit to him. Like, if you're that great, you just get criticized more for wilting under pressure. So, you know, um, but still an all-timer, so what are we doing? Uh, number seven, Allen Iverson. Kind of in the same Russell Westbrook 
vein. You don't say he's not clutch because he didn't wilt under pressure. He's just not a player who's built to win titles. He's a player who's, like, everybody loved him. Massively famous player even today. Four-time points leader. Won the MVP in 2001. Couple first-team All-NBAs. 23.5 points a game as a rookie. But he's just the type of player where you have four guys on the court saying, so, like, what's my job? (laughs) What do I do? I just sit here and watch you shoot the ball. Now, there's value in that. I mean, it's entertainment, right? This is basketball. It's a sports game. It's supposed to be fun to watch, and he was absolutely fun to watch. Um, He did it at a high, high level enough to take his team to the playoffs and be a legitimately great player, but it's just not going to win you a title. Um, And he was also done after 10 years because he just threw his body around the court like a ragdoll all game, every game, and he didn't sleep. Average 41 minutes a game for his career. That's just ridiculous in in the 2000s as a small guard who played the way he did. 27 points a game for his career, though. Maybe his biggest career feat, single-handedly, kind of, sort of, winning a game in the 2001 Finals against the Shakobi Lakers. There were only four times, four seasons, to what you won a playoff series. Uh, that was his only even conference finals. But 33 points a game in the playoffs. That ain't freaking bad. 46 minutes per game. Uh, that being said, the reason that he didn't have a lot of help was because nobody fit with him. They traded away Jerry Sackhouse and Larry Hughes. Uh, and they even had Dikembe. Dudes just don't fit with him. At the end of the day, which is more important, being well-remembered or winning a title. Like, it's just different for different dudes. Uh, number six, James Harden. I put him in the same category as Allen Iverson until about three weeks ago. He has transformed into a great, legit point guard. With Houston, he was never a point guard. He was a shooting guard. He got a lot of assists because he, t- he because he touched the ball a lot. His usage percentage is low this year. He's focusing on setting up his teammates. He's shooting efficiently. That being said, I said the same thing when he went to Philly, that he looks like a legit point guard, and he's not a high-usage whatever guy, because high-usage players just do not win in the playoffs. That's how it works. So because I said this with Philly, I would not be surprised if it goes downhill again. That being said, I have been so surprised in the last month. I think they might win a title this year. Uh, him and Paul George might get their first so just that that'd be crazy. So his best chance to win finals is this year. Okay, uh, 2018-19, great teams, great Houston teams. They were just not getting past Durant and the Warriors. wasn't happening. 2012, he was you know the third best player on a title team that lost to just a more ready you know Heat team. Um, outside of that, like those Brooklyn teams were not winning. Philly, not winning. This Clippers team might be his best chance. So I am super excited to see how it goes. Uh, Number five, John Stockton. He might be passed by Harden when it's all said and done. But right now, I'm still going with Stockton. I'm still going with Stockton. Top 10 point guard of all time. The craziest things about him are his, like, just his his games played. I'm going to read this off. He played 19 years, so it's going to be a lot of numbers. But just going through it. 82, 82, 82, 82, 82. 78, 82, 82, 82, 82, 82, 82, 82, 64, 50 in 50 games, 82, 82, 82, 82. So only one season he missed more than four games. Um, only <laughs> There were only two seasons in which he missed games. One of them was four games. One of them was 18 games. And then the 50 came in a 50-game season, so whatever. Now, the assist numbers were padded in the in the 90s. They were just a little bit higher. Um it was easier to get assists than it was, you know, a decade later. That being said, 14 and a half is still insane. All-time assist leader, all-time steals leader, you know, solid 
shoot, solid shooter, really good percentages across the board. But just to play that many games for one team without without missing games, that level of consistency has never been done. And consistency wins championships. So I think John Stockton was physically limited. You know, IQ is off the charts. His coordination in that in that sense, but he was six foot one, one seventy. You know, just physically limited. So he's not going to like will his team to a final like some of these other guys. But that level of consistency and that just efficiency, it usually wins titles. And I blame somebody else for him not winning a title. His best chance, you know, 97, 98, he made the finals back-to-back years with the Jazz. Um, Those weren't even his best teams, though. The league just got worse. (laughs) And uh, he and Malone stayed the same. Um, I don't know what his best chance for a title was. I would uh, Number four, Chris Paul. Now, he has a couple of high-profile choke jobs. 2014. Turnovers against the Thunder 2015, just the entire team blew a 3-1 lead, including like a 20-point lead in game four or five to allow a bunch of scrubs from the Rockets to come back. Just absolutely, absolutely not cool. More importantly, he just broke down a lot in the playoffs because it's just hard when you're that size to play that long in a year, which is crazy what John Stockton did several times. Um, that being said, I thought he was done in 2016. Uh, Houston, he was fine. OKC had a nice little resurgence, but what he did in Phoenix, it really began in OKC, so I don't want to be, uh, I don't want to you know, be reductive. But to have the next four years that he had, just nobody saw that coming. 10.8 assists per game in 2022. And then they blew that series to the way worse Mavericks. when They won 64 games that year. He didn't make his first finals until his 16th year in the league, which kind of sucks. Second team All-NBA, fifth in MVP voting that year. And blew a 2-0 lead to Giannis and the Bucks. I'm never going to blame you for losing to Giannis. He is a freak. He also, Chris Paul had a lot of bad luck in his career. Going to New Orleans at all, bad luck. Uh, he went to the Clippers to play with Blake Griffin. He Blake Griffin broke down. Um, Chris played with Harden. That was a misstep. Uh, OKC, he vaulted that team, so that was cool. And then Phoenix was a good plan. He, he resurged. He gave the team a resurgence, and they fell short, partly because of just his limitations. Um, it's too late now. He's not going to win the finals with these Warriors. Like Maybe he hops teams, but I honestly think this is his last year, too. But I don't put him in the same category of a losing player. He had a couple of high-profile. But like if you look at anybody's career, they have a couple big just choke jobs. LeBron had two back-to-back in 2010 and 11. We don't remember it because he won later. Chris Paul just never got that chance, so bummer. Uh, number three, Karl Malone. Uh, absolute choke job guy across his career. Uh, like I said in with the Ewing one, just the kind of dude it's like, okay, yeah, so you're going to fade away when you're down three points with two minutes left. You're not going to go to the basket. You're going to get stripped by Jordan in the last second of a game because you're looking to pass it away because you're scared to shoot. Uh, that's fine. For dude who acted so tough constantly... He just wilted in big moments, um, and that's hilarious to me. It's also, you know, he's a terrible person, so it makes it a little bit easier to hate him. Uh, but just like Stockton, his games played numbers are insane. He missed one game in, in 86, uh, two in 89, one in 92. I'm going through all these, but point of, moral of the story is he had only one season where he missed more than one game, um, and that was in 04 when he only played 42 games. Probably constantly because a title by, by being injured, but he was also 40 years old. Insanely consistent, except when it came to the biggest moments of the game. Uh, in his career, 25 points per game in the regular season. I think you could argue him above the number two guy. Most people have him there, have him there because, I mean, the, the stats alone are just 
significantly better than the number two guy who you can probably guess. His teams played better. He played longer. He made the finals twice compared to just once for the other guy. Only played for one team in his prime compared to two and a half for the other guy. Uh, but Carl Malone was just scared in the biggest moments and Charles Barkley was not. So that's why I have Charles Barkley number two. His stats are always staggering when you look at them. I think we forget how good Chuck was because he's on TV now. So we just like, oh, hey, yeah, he's a Hall of Famer. 14 rebounds a game his third season. And he was six foot six, maybe. I think that's not true. I think he's shorter than six foot six. Uh, Mud League in two point percentage five years in a row, but took so many ugly threes at a terrible rate that it dragged down his free throw, his field goal percentage. Still over 60% a couple times. Again, six foot six, maybe. MVP in 93, maybe a little dubious because Jordan just won two straight and people don't like voting for three because, you know, they're weird. Even so, uh, Philly was mismanaged. He should have been playing with Brad Darty and they traded that away. Uh, who knows why? Went to Phoenix. It was crafted pretty well around him. Kevin Johnson was a nice piece for him. And that, you know, it just, it didn't work out. It happens. He went to Houston a little late in his career. People make fun of him for making fun of Durant for jumping to better teams when he teamed up with Drexler and Hakeem and then eventually Scotty. Uh, he was old at that point, so I'm chilling with it. He would brick the biggest shot of a game, but he would take the biggest shot of a game, which I would rather have my guy doing any day of the week than Carl Malone. His ability to rebound in traffic is just, yeah, he wanted balls and he got balls, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, his transition knee to the chest bucket, one of the coolest highlights to watch in the 90s. His stats were always better in the playoffs, like across the board. Malone's are marginally worse. Harden's are significantly worse. Ewing's are way worse. Barkley's are better in the playoffs. That's awesome. 15 rebounds a game twice in the playoffs. Uh, led the league in steals in the 94 playoffs. But Charles Barkley, second best player to never win a finals. Number one, though, I don't think this is ever going to change. Elgin Baylor. I don't think a player this good is ever going to not win a finals because I don't think a team is ever going to win 11 finals in 13 years ever again. Um, and that's why Elgin didn't win. It was because he played against the Boston Celtics several times. Now, he was the second best player on a lot of these Lakers teams, but he was the first guy to really play above the rim. One of the first, one of the earliest superstars. Probably called Bob Cousy the first superstar. But Elgin was, you know, the first high flyer. First career, 27.4 points per game. Every year from 61 through 63, at least 34 points a game. That's ridiculous. 62. Played 48 games because he was doing military duty. Fourth in MVP voting. Now his last two years, um, so he played 12 years at a high level. Came to the league at 24. You don't like seeing that. Uh, by 35, he was still at 24 points a game, all-star. And then the next year, two games played. Nine games played in 72, and then he retired midseason, and the Lakers won a championship. Just just stick it around, stick around a couple more weeks, Elgin, and then you get off this list. Uh, but you do make it easier to say who is the best player of all time to never win a finals because it's just clearly him. There's no argument for anybody else. Um, he's one of the 15 to 18 best players of all time. I haven't updated my rankings in a little bit. Definitely top 20, just outside the Pantheon. Not a good GM. <laughs> One of the worst GMs of all time. But if I'm ranking best highlights pre-1970, I'm going Wilt number one. His passing highlights are better than anything, honestly. Kuzi number two. Elgin number three. 
Uh, that doesn't always translate to winning, but for Elgin it did. He just happened to play a team that it's just not going to happen again, where one team is so much smarter than everybody else. It's like an eight-team league. You can have, you know, three of the best players in the league at this, on the same team at the same time. So just bummer for all those Lakers. If you hate my wrong opinions, tweet me at wrongopinionNBA. We'll be back next week talking about the best. We're breaking into the best teams categories. So we got all NBA, all defensive, all rookie, best players who never got any of those three. Starting off with the all rookie. Uh, it's fairly interesting to me. It might not be for you, but that's why I have a podcast so I can hear myself talk all the time. Be sure to check out Hooper's Lane. We've got new stuff going on every week. Uh, check out The Wrong Opinion Presents if you like movies. Comic Central on Snapchat and TikTok. What else is going on? I guess Super Bowl tomorrow if you're watching that. I will be. Uh, till then, peace out.